I feel like we're in always in this education process. You know, we always can reject the lesson plan or change our lesson plan. Your soul contract has all the information when you decided to in incarnate in this body, like this is what I decided, this is what I, the clauses I put in and you can make amendments, you can make a new plan. I feel like we all are growing because of the challenges. Mm. Um, we can't grow without challenges. So even though people are like, oh, I wish I had an easier life and all that, think about when you say that, would you really grow then with an easier life? Mm -hmm. So I feel like to advance as a spirit, we must be challenged. And these karmic challenges come in in the form of everything from our anxiety, from disorders we have, from any frustration known to humankind. Instead of seeing suffering as like something that we can fix or change, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm witnessing a soul that's like, really trying to quickly complete its lesson plan. And so there's lots of suffering. Hello, Seeker. Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. I am your host, Talia Joy. In this episode, I am sitting down with Nicole de Cristofaro. Nicole is trained in the art and science of medical intuition and has a master's certification in intuitive medicine. In this episode, we are talking about our past lives, the impact on our present lives, and also because she is a medical intuitive toward the end of the episode, we talk all about dis-ease in the body, healing our body and what that looks like coming from the perspective of a medical intuitive. So we really cover a lot in this episode. It is so fascinating. If you're into past lives, karmic ties, why you're here, how to move through these past life lessons that keep showing up. If you're interested in the medical intuitive part of things and how to really heal your body from that place, this is for you. I can't wait for you to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome Nicole onto the show. Hey, Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the show. I am so happy and honored that you're here. How are you today? Oh, Talia, I'm so happy. I like we shared in our DMs to each other. I feel like I've known you before. We both have curly hair. <laughs> so, I was thinking that we're a little bit mirroring yeah. each other in the hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to be here and, and share conversation with you and your audience. So thank you. Yeah, it's an honor. I'm glad that we're here in this moment. And this is going to be a really good episode to anybody listening, all you beautiful seekers, get ready. I can feel it. Um, so why don't we just start with who you are and what you do, um, where you are in this moment in time, because <laughs> as we were talking about you, you move around. So share with us a little bit about who you are. Hi. Yeah. So I am originally from California. 
And I have definitely moved around quite a bit. But later in life, in my 30s, I moved to Colorado, where I met my husband. And we now uh, travel the world. We've been doing it for almost three years. So we are, I guess, in the digital nomad category or location independent. And we are currently in New Zealand, which is like one of my like bucket list places. And uh, we came over from Australia, which was highly recommend the Aussies, super friendly, super nice people, really like one of the best country experiences we've had. So we're here now and looking to explore New Zealand. Oh, and, that is yeah. a bucket list for me too. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful <laughs> here. And, um, I practice, I'm a medical intuitive, so I practice energy medicine and I'm also a spiritual mentor. So I've been doing that for, wow, I think I'm going on almost four years now. Before that I was mentoring, but in a different capacity, like more like relationship and love mentoring. So Mm. I love, I just love helping people like realize their potential and I see and hold space for people. And that's one of my gifts. So Mm. this is, this is what I signed up for, obviously, in this lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it cool how when you're a seeker, when you're a healer, when you're a light worker, a helper, it can be transferred. And I think our business does. It grows and it changes and our gifts expand. And, you know, I started off with nutrition consulting into intuitive eating and then it was law of attraction. And now it's just more so um, spiritual mentorship like you're talking about. And we just get to grow and change and help people along the way as we grow and change. It's It's beautiful. It is. It is. And I, and I really love that. And you'll probably hear a little dog barking in the background. So hopefully, but yeah, I was actually going to say that my audience, the, the majority of the audience is in the United States and in Canada, but I have actually quite a large percentage in New Zealand and Australia. So those are the four places that almost all the listens come from plus some in Europe, which is really beautiful. But I was going to say that, that there's some of the people listening are going to be in Australia or New Zealand right now. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) I hope we all get to connect in some form or another on the socials because I love connect. I've been able to connect with people during the travels that I've known only on like Facebook and in Facebook Mm -hmm. groups. And that has been amazing. Amazing. Love yeah, it. it's neat with online. There's a lot of superficial relationships where we go like all these people and we're not actually connecting with any of them. But then there's also so many deep connections that I would have never had without online community and space, yes. whether they were in my community or I found them in other group programs or yep. Facebook groups. It's really, really neat when you get to connect in real life. So that's really fun. <laughs> so um, let's dive into this. I know today we're going to, you know, we're going to just flow and have a conversation. We're going to talk about the medical intuitive part and what that has to do and with past lives, the interaction of that. And we'll see where else that goes. I'm so fascinated. This is very personal to me and hits home with what I'm going through on my journey of healing chronic pain and other things that were manifested from the things I've experienced. So can we just start with past lives and just kind of your take on past lives and anything that you feel like sharing in that and we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like past lives is definitely like one of the number one, it's probably in the top three of topics that most people want to work with me on where we, you know, look, we're fascinated by like, who was I before? Or what did I experience before? Right. And there is a lot of mystery about it. And, and we don't really, you know, not everyone understands like reincarnation or karma. I know I was definitely confused by it. 
Um, but if you think about, and since you're in the quantum, you know, area of your expertise, you know, time and space are nonlinear and, you know, maybe there wasn't a, oh, 2000 years ago in that life, maybe it's a life that you are living. Like there's, those are part, you know, there's a, an experience that you're having in a different realm that's happening now. Um, and you have these like flashbacks or memories or whatever you think you think they are that are like some past life experience, but maybe it's a, it's a quantum, you know, other realm experience. So there's definitely various viewpoints on past lives. Um, I just see it as an evolutionary journey that our soul, our spiritual energy has taken part in there we're, we're on a evolutionary journey and transformation process so that means that we get to have different experiences different genders different you know ethnicities that you know we can learn and grow from so that's how I see a, a past life really in, in my world I love that. I love that. The way it comes to me, and I'm curious to see if this mm -hmm. is, if this resonates with you is like in this journey, just like a human in this human journey, as you get older, you become more wise. You know, my Nana could like feel the weather change in her bones. And I'm like, how do you do that? And she had all these hacks because she's lived this life. She knew what really mattered, which was don't, not sweating the small stuff and all this stuff that she had gained in her life. And I see it like that with the soul is the soul, you know, where we experience a day, a soul experiences, you know, a lifetime and maybe not exactly to that ratio, but there's mm -hmm. many, many, many lifetimes that over time makes you wiser as a soul and does have you grow the way that on this, in this lifetime, we are growing over time. Is that kind of the way you see it as well? Yes, I do. And I love reading. Um, there's just been some like really fascinating books and documentaries and things about it and studies. And I'm always interested to hear what other people believe or understand about reincarnation and past lives and karma and, and those types of things. So you know, I feel like I'm, I'm always a, like my understanding and knowledge is always expanding and evolving. Um, so I don't, you know, I can't say I have it all figured out right now. I'm a, I'm a, you know, forever student, lifetime student of it. But every time I do um, have an experience either with my own um, work with my past lives or with a client, it's just always like, it's, it's such a amazing process that I'm always mm -hmm. like excited and, and mystified by it. So it, it is something that I just love being a part of and exploring more. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's like mm -hmm. more of who we are, you know, like we think yeah. we're just this body and then we learn, Ooh, there's an energy field. Ooh, there's a, there's an aura. There's, Ooh, there's a soul. Oh, there's experience. It's like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's so fascinating. So we're going to get to illness and disease and, mm -hmm. and the medical side of it. But before we get into that, what types of things do you see as influencing your experience now your personality all of that that can come from past lives if that if that was worded sure. in makes sense <laughs> yeah so what um what i see could be influenced was de definitely like um <laughs> i had a, a really huge huge healing around um when i was in my training um i went to the intuition uh, academy of intuition medicine in sausalito california that's where I studied and, and was certified. And one of the parts of the program, you, you go into the male, female energy anatomy. 
and you know we are we live in a, a dualistic world so there's male female right and black and white and all these things but really our our energy is non-gender it's just energy um but there's a lot of human experiences that can affect us in whatever gender form we are and so what happened with me was I was exploring my past lives in that part of my training and found that many of my past lives where I was a male, um, I was um, involved in a lot of violence. It was like a really, it was very, various vignettes of violence and brutality, whether I was causing it or I was engaged in it. And that just like, it was soul crushing. Like it felt so sad <laughs> to me that like, you know, and, and I remember working with my tutor at the time and she, and she reminded me, she's like, but that's not who you are now. And it's good that you're understanding this and, and remember that our history is very violent. It's very violent history of man, you know, mankind on earth here. So it, many people have a very violent, like tragic history on this planet. Um, and you're, you're learning to, tools now that can help and heal that. And I feel like there was a lot of like, um, ain't like mistrust of men, um, you know, anger towards men, um, uh, fear of men that I had carried over into this life, even though nothing happened to me in this life to cause that I mean, I've witnessed things and other people have had tragic events or or um, violence with men. But I was like, why do I have this feeling? And what what where does it come from? And when I witnessed those past lives and me being a violent male, I'm like, oh, wow, that's like really upsetting, but also makes sense of like, if that's still energetically experienced in the now, of course, I would have conflicting feelings about the male gender. Mm -hmm. That actually, I just was thinking that's when we use a pono pono. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm, if you use mm -hmm. just that pat that when when you're you know one of the ways we could use it, but just being sort of saddened by like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Or you know that type of feeling. Or even if you get a past life reading or awareness that you died tragically. And it's like, yeah, you're like, it's yeah. like almost like it reshakes you or something. So yeah. this is beautiful. Cause I know you talk about karma and how we're not like stuck in our karma and it's yeah. not what a lot of people understand it to be. So what about in that way? So you discover that you had violent lifetimes. So what about the karma aspect of it? Do you have to like live a life that is deeply uncomfortable to repay that? Or how do we kind of balance the scales as Deepak Chopra likes to say that karma is like balancing the scales. Yeah. You know, so curious. Well, I have a different, yeah, I have a different viewpoint and I, I read a lot. And, um, as I shared with you in the pre-interview, there's a, a psychiatrist who did some research and, and studies on karma. So, you know, I, I believe that, and this is the, just the philosophy I've come to adopt that um, that there is an existence of beings who oversee and organize many aspects of the reincarnation process. And um, I think there's this like mediation between individual and his or her karma. I see it as like me being a part of this um, uh, spiritual committee. Okay. And um, I think that 
karma can be known as like an energy collected from our previous choices. It's like a living record Mm -hmm. of what we have learned and not learned, but it doesn't write the lesson plan here in earth school. It's like, it just kind of maybe sets some limits or parameters that I'm going to be carrying this plan out in this life. Mm -hmm. So because this X, Y, and Z was experienced or happened in that life, um, perhaps in this life, that part of the lesson plan that I decided with a higher intelligent universal consciousness um, wisdom, we decided, okay, Nicole, in this life, you're going to learn about grace or Mm. compassion or kindness, because that was not your experience in the past life, or maybe you didn't offer that to others. So I've, I feel like we're in always in this education process Mm -hmm. and, um, we have, you know, we always can reject the lesson plan or change our lesson plan. And that's what I do when I, we do like contract work. Cause like you were, your sole contract has all the information when you decided to incarnate in this body, like this is what I decided. This is what I, the clauses I put in and you can make amendments, you can make a new plan. Um, but you know, I, I feel like we all are growing because of the challenges. Mm. Um, we can't grow without challenges. So even though people are like, Oh, I wish I had an easier life and all that. Think about when you say that, would you really grow then with an easier life? Mm-hmm. So I feel like to advance as a spirit, we must be challenged. And these karmic challenges come in in the form of everything from our anxiety, from disorders we have, from any frustration known to humankind. Um, and yeah, it's it's just think it's just instead of seeing suffering as like human suffering as like something that we can fix or change. I think maybe I just witness it as a, um, I'm, 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 maybe I'm witnessing a soul that's like really trying to quickly complete its, its lesson plan. And so there's lots of stuff suffering. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah. There's so much in there. Yeah. So going back to how you said, like, you the past life can almost determine sort of this, these weren't your words, but like the plan going here. So I just had the flash of like, if you experience these past lives of being violent and then putting suffering into others, that could even have been a reason that you came here in this lifetime to be of service, exactly. not like you always have to pay for everything, but that could help to kind of have you learn the other side of life, which is not just like taking or being violent or whatever, but actually this is a lifetime you give back and you work on behalf of spirit or something. Is that kind of what you mean? Like just as one example? Yeah. And you know, um, karma is the spiritual element that gives our lives meaning and purpose. So I knew that I was following my soul's path or lesson plan in this life when I really felt aligned with what I was doing in my life, um, what work I was doing, the relationships I have. So I know that there's many people that don't really know, like, don't feel aligned, don't feel fulfilled, a little like, what am I meant to do here? And and what what's my plan? And you may not have the the lesson plan given to you by, you know, some cosmic mentor, 
but you know, you have a feeling and you know, like, oh, I'm aligned with this. This feels right. And I know in other career roles or things I did, even though I might've liked it, there was something inside me that was like, yeah, but there's something else. There's something Mm -hmm. else, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel, I do feel that because of what happened and, and different roles I had in different lifetimes that like my soul was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do something totally different. (laughs) Let's, let's heal, let's heal ourselves and let's Mm -hmm. be able to share in that journey with others. Mm-hmm. And you may have also been stuck. Like you said, human history is pretty brutal. A lot of us were either murderers or murdered or whatever, maybe not murder. That's a strong word, but it was, it was brutal. So maybe too, like your soul was kind of tired of doing that. It's like, okay, let's, we're in the time and space where we can actually live a life of light. Now we don't have to be constantly defending our cave or whatever. Right. So it's, it's interesting that you could yeah, just how that influences. So what about things we always hear about things like phobias and drawn, like things we're drawn to. So my husband, for example, I swear out of the womb, he's like a musician. He can play everything. He understands it. He geeks out on music and it wasn't his parents. So, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't influence that necessarily. So do things like that sometimes like our gifts, our talents, our aversions, our phobias. I love to hear about that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, 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 and just a side note to what you just said. Yeah. And we were not evolved aware people back then either. There wasn't someone going, Oh, I don't, I don't really feel this is aligned with my soul's journey, you know, like inner child work. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. So as we've evolved, luckily our consciousness has evolved. Um, yeah. So like people like your husband or uh, like, I don't know if anybody ever saw, I think that it's, I forgot the name of the movie, but it's, it's about this kid who um, had a fascination with planes and it was part of this research st- study. And I told, I'm so not good at remembering names and stuff, but I have it somewhere if anybody's interested um, where this uh, it was uh, done at a university where they were studying all these children who had claimed to like know like people that they were family with or had like experiences like professional experiences that they were like would talk about in their family. And this one kid, he was in the U.S. and he had this fascination with fighter planes and that kind of thing. And it, came through like all these memories would come through he would talk about his best friend that he had and all these things and turns out he had a in he you know what they found what he talked about was being incarnated in a past life as a world war ii fighter pilot and like he he named things that he would never have known Mm -hmm. he talked about certain situations that he would never have known otherwise as a kid Mm -hmm. and um his parents luckily had very supportive parents who like actually because the kid had so much like pain and sadness because his friend died and you know he ended up dying in in the war as well um that they wanted to really help their kid and they took him to Pearl Harbor. He cried. Like it was like, it was this amazing journey. Um, if, if if you ever come across it and there was other stories similar to this and, um, I, I can, you know, wholeheartedly believe that, you know, this kid wasn't like born and just goes, Oh, I'm going to be into planes. Like he had experiences with planes. He was familiar with planes. He knew planes and so he was born with already a 
passion or interest in planes. Mm -hmm. So perhaps your husband was working with music before and it was like such a big part of who he was and what he loves that it was that energy was carried over into another incarnation. Mm, That's so fascinating to me. It's so cool. Um, it's just makes so much sense to me. And cause to sort of think like there's no past lives. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. no way there's just way too much evidence yeah. that we come with stuff. Um, we label it good or bad or whatever, but it's carried on. It's carried through. It makes sense to me. Um, yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah. When I, when I saw all that research that they had done and the guy who started the research, he passed, but someone took it over and um, it was just like fascinating. These kids who were like, no, I know so-and-so and so and like named all the names of this family. Like, mm. how would they know that? You know, and when they did the research, because they were like really going into like the research, they mm-hmm. found, oh, yeah, we talked to the cousin who said that the sister was named this. And, and you know, you just can't deny these kinds of things. When yeah. That's like me with near-death experiences. The amount of time since I was a teenager, the books, the documentaries trees that I've spent, I swear, like my 10,000 hours <laughs> really yeah. diving into this since I was young, because the, the, the stories, it's like, you just can't deny it when over yeah. and over and over again, especially yeah. people of all different, like religious and spiritual beliefs come to these very similar stories. Even if somebody grew up believing in different gods, it's like, it just, to me is, yeah, the evidence is overwhelming. So how do they how do they, I guess that is it, how they research past lives is that kind of thing, going back and trying to verify the things that people say and then finding that yeah. it's true. Cause I'm like, how do you yeah. research past lives? How does science do that? Like, what? yeah, well, and just, I, I remember the name um, of the, it's on, it was on Amazon prime. And I think you can find it on YouTube. It's called science of the soul. And mm. in it, the doctor and the, and the university that's doing the um, research on that, um, was talking about it. So, um, uh, you at your question was, how do they research? Or- well, yeah, just when you first started talking about, it, I was thinking that, like, how is science researching that? But it makes sense oh, to go through yeah. and get these accounts and then kind of verify it and back it up. Yeah. Um, they, well, they're interviews, tons mm-hmm. and tons of interviews with like reports. So, you know, a lot of times too, if, someone's seen a medical professional or a psychiatrist or counselor or something. Um, Luckily there's people that are interested in this work. So they might get added to a research study Mm. and um, put them through hypnosis, um, Mm. past life regression or whatever to pull out the memories Mm. of what's going on. When I work with people, you know, I, I, I hesitate to call it past life regression because I don't want people to be, going back into that time and being activated and triggered again, because I feel like that can do harm, but more like I'm having them witness things in their timeline. And I'm, mm-hmm. I can always act as the, like the intermediary on their, on their behalf, if they're not ready for that. Um, and it's just observing like, what, what is your spirit showing us? You need to know and understand to heal it and be able to move on mm. from that. Mm-hmm. And that um, that's like the work I do. And I know that there, um, I mentioned to you, there's this Toronto um, psychiatrist who is doing research for many years and putting people through hypnosis. 
and wanting to find reliable evidence for reincarnation shares. And um, yeah, they they observed that people's lives, uh, she said, uh, Dr. Witten observed that people's lives tend to become more difficult as they advance through the curriculum of Earth School. The challenges are, challenges are designed to promote great inner growth Sometimes they represent the leftover bits and pieces of unresolved karma collected from many lives and grouped into intense learning experiences. Mm. <laughs> so I joke with sometimes with my friends or students and I'm like, whoa, I guess I'm going through that leftover bit that I didn't finish from that last grade of Earth school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like summer yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. You didn't complete it. You got to come back. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's really profound. So cool. So with the medical side, um, really curious, like what for anybody who's new to this, like what is a medical intuitive? Like what is that? First of all, what is that like for you? What do you pick up on and see and read? And then I'd love to hear about the medical side, you know, to do with the past lives. Sure. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing about how I came into this um, field was I was a love mentor. I, um, I was working with women primarily, um, on helping them heal any kind of worthiness wound or anything that was preventing them from having healthy, loving relationships. And part of the reason why I did that was because of my mother who had really horrible relationships. And she had, um, she had been diagnosed with colon cancer in, 2001 and I kind of became really fixated with healing like um, holistic healing for her even though I wasn't trained in anything at the time I read the China study I, I like dove in because no one in our family at that point had cancer and and when I talked to my mom who was a very spiritual awakened person and I asked her why I she thought she got cancer. She said, probably from holding in all the guilt and shame from life. That's and she had intuitive mom, <laughs> right? Very. And I believed her, even though at the time I wasn't where I am now, I just was like, I feel that's true for my, for my mom. And I knew who she was and I knew what she had been through and experienced. So that kind of set, I feel like that was like the little breadcrumbs of like, you're going to follow this path, you know? And I actually got like kind of overwhelmed by what the responsibility of venturing into the world of healer would could be I kind of felt like it was like I'm the healer like I took it as like I'm the person that's responsible because and because I wasn't able to heal my mom or help her um I was like I'm not ready for this and she also had to make her own decisions and be responsible in her life and I remember having a conversation uh spirit to spirit after she passed and we chatted because I had a lot of grief and I was processing a lot of guilt of like not doing enough for my mom and not saving her and she's like Nicole you know you did above and beyond it was my choice to mm. pass on and and I what she's like I just didn't I didn't have the capacity to go on my healing journey I wasn't ready for it and I appreciate that you wanted that for me but that was just not something I was able to do. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh. and like, it took, like, it felt like a hundred pound weight was lifted off of me that mm -hmm. I had that experience with my mom. And I think when I had that, I knew there was something, cause it was with someone who was an intuitive. I was like, there's something in this 
realm of of work that I'm very fascinated and interested in. So that I think that's how like I first started mm-hmm. wanting to learn, but I definitely was resistant to the taking responsibility part because mm-hmm. I thought it was my responsibility. To heal yeah, people. you just have to go cure people. No big deal. <laughs> and if you don't, yeah. then it's to do with your gifts not being. Yeah, yeah, I, so, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. Pro- yeah, we've. I think most healers can identify with having those feelings at some po- point or another. Um, so what happened was I was a love mentor, and one of those really cool, like interesting, intuitive experiences happen where I was talking to a friend I met in Canada on Facebook and we were accountability buddies and she was like marketing person and I'm the love mentor. And I was looking at what I was going to do in my business and like what like offers I was going to make and all these things. And she's like, Nicole, I'm getting this message. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I don't know what it means. I'm like, tell me. And she's like, well, I hear like medical intuitive and she's like, I just don't know what that means. And I'm like, okay. And when she said it, like, I didn't really fully understand it at that time. I've heard of like, um, what's her name on, she used to be on Hay House Radio, Mona Lisa Schultz, I believe her name. Like she's a medical Mm -hmm. intuitive and I'd heard of Carolyn Mays, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand it. And I was like, hmm, I feel like a connection to that. It was almost like someone saying your eyes are brown. I was like, hmm. That feels true, but in not in an exciting, like I am that, or what it was just like, okay. So I ended up putting that out in my love mentor colleagues group who are people of all different professions. And one woman, I said, you know, where can I learn more about being a medical intuitive? And this woman said, well, I went to, I did the first part of the program at the Academy of Intuition Medicine. And I know a faculty member there, if you'd like me to connect her to you and you can talk to them about the program crazy like you know sync synchronicities and things and that's how it all started is I talked to this woman who was an acupuncturist for 30 something years and she said how the learning intuition medicine totally changed her profession helped her clients heal faster than just acupuncture by itself and really helped get to like these root causes, these spiritual causations, as as we talked about, um, of her clients' ailments, 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 and illnesses. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it's the journey. There. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating, especially with healers and intuitives. I feel like. There's definitely some people that grew up going like, yeah, I've been talking to dead people since I was two or whatever. I see them in the room, just like regular people. And you're like, whoa, but a lot of people it's activation, activation, activation. This leads you here. That leads you here. Totally. Like even with intuition, I look back, I'm like, oh, clear audience has actually always been there, but it took my journey of recognizing the gift, trusting it more, actually putting focus on it. And now to be a like much more clear channel compared to before where I can just hear it and speak it and hear it and speak it. But that wasn't the case when I was, you know, 15 or 20. I just, I didn't even really realize it was there. So it's really fascinating how sometimes we kind of go like, huh, tell me more. And then you go one step further, huh? And all of a sudden you end up in this brand new, you know, way of doing things and career path sometimes. (laughs) And I feel the same as you. So my, my specialty was clairsentience. So Mm -hmm. I was very much a a feeler of everything empath. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know when I was younger that that was like my gift. And 
and called too sensitive all the time. Yeah. And I would just feel like, and I think unfortunately that was a downfall with growing up with my mom because I absorbed all her worthiness stuff, all Mm -hmm. her, like, I'm not good enough. Um, Mm -hmm. people would like, I felt like people would also use me as their like grounding rod because I was able to like take all their emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Dahlia, luckily mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. What a, what a disservice it is for myself and others, right? Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is be- when I started to do this work and I was like, okay, I'll use my clairsentience gift. My other gifts kind of like started to become stronger and come online and while I was never ever a clairvoyant or I could, I can, I had trouble even like imagining things in my mind's eye because I was using psychometry, my hands to like work with people, especially remotely. That is, there's a connection to your pineal gland, which activated my clairvoyance. So now I see a lot, like I, I can hear, see, and feel. Um, mostly that's how I get you know, when I work with someone, I'm like, I'm getting this. And I, and I really, I do tend to be like a witness and, and just sense and say, and let the story unfold instead of like, mm-hmm. I get a butterfly and this should mean transformation because that's mm-hmm. not always what these symbols mm-hmm. and things mean. I think that's why sometimes people get a little confused. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, not trying to be the interpreter, just being the one who is relaying. Cause sometimes you might see a same with me, I'll see a butterfly and then the human brain goes, Oh, that means transformation. Whereas that might've been their grandma or something, even just giving you the information that they are transforming or whatever, or it can mean something completely different. I I hear you whenever I say it could be this, and I just get this sense of like, just stop. It's not your job to analyze. It's just your job to pass it on. It's all good. Um, so with the medical aspects, um, I would Mm -hmm. just love to dive into that and, you know, really help some of the people who are either dealing with sort of mysterious things like myself, where it was like mysterious pain that nobody Mm -hmm. can say where it's coming from, or maybe people have dealt with, you know, disease Mm -hmm. or currently. So yeah, let's dive into that. What's your take on that? And I I mean, I could talk a lot about mystery illnesses, which are at the school, they call them garbage can illnesses. Um, Interesting enough, a lot of the alumni of the school are in the medical field. They're like nurses, doctors, you know, naturopaths, acupuncturists, all these things, because they were frustrated with not being able to like help their, their patients. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So interesting about mystery illnesses like fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, those, you know, autoimmune things. And I don't know if you know, medical medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Well, yeah. Welcome. Yeah, he talks about, stuff as well. Yeah. He talks about those mystery illnesses as well, but from a spiritual causation place, what we've found and, you know, not just myself, but the other practitioners from the Academy is that they can be attributed to an invasion or a, um, other people's energy in your space basically. Mm. And it could be long-term emotional possession where you've just absorbed a lot of emotional energy, or it could be a full on like an entity possession, not necessarily a malevolent entity could just be like your crown chakra is wide open for all your life because you didn't want to be in your body and you were always out. So guess what? Energy just looks for the next place to go. You were the vacuum and ta-da, now you have all these ailments because your energetic match 
is not the right match for all this other energy and it's creating imbalances Mm -hmm. in you and distortions in your energy systems. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've observed. And when people do have like Lyme disease or fibromyalgia, we look at what's called the spiritual incarnation system. So talking Mm -hmm. about incarnating, Mm -hmm. it's where like your spirit and in acupuncture, they have all the meridians mapped out Mm -hmm. and it's where you, your spirit enters body and docks in and resides here after you're born because you know the spirit's kind of big so it's never like in the little fetus it's kind of like around in the mother's aura and stuff so um if there is any trauma at that point when you're docking in or trauma during your life where you escape out and anything like you know violence um any kind of trauma of any kind big t and little t that has had you disconnect or disassociate could have created that opportunity for energy to be your energy to be misplaced and other energy to get in Mm. so if i was working with someone that had a mystery illness i would always look at their spiritual incarnation system and treat it from that respect of like, what is in here? What is, you know, where's your energy? Is there any damage to any of these areas? And we um, have different places that we call like the transducer, the direct voice, the shoulder chakras, which are direct writing. And those are also interesting. uh, That's an interesting topic because people who do channeling where they like either think they're just getting downloads, but maybe they're taking in information from an entity that's like coming into their physical or energetic space. There's always been reported cases of illness with a lot of the mediums and channelers that do like the full body Mm -hmm. um, uh, possession. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, we have a lot of case research that we, we studied in that whole part of my education of like um, what that can do to somebody. So it's like having the wrong blood type in your body. Mm. Oh my goodness. That's, that's definitely a place of like immediate expansion for me, because I feel like just in the last few years, I realized that my pain, part of the cause was internalized emotion, undealt with trauma, feelings of, you know, despair and unworthiness and shame and small and all that stuff that Mm -hmm. I just didn't deal with. And Mm -hmm. so I've been doing a lot of inner child healing and really looking at what happened in my life, because to me, I've been more connected to spirit and soul and oneness, and I'm whole and complete yet. I'm dealing with all these physical human things that I'm like, I just want to escape into my spirit. Really. It's hard for me to be human. And the reason I'm saying this is because I know a lot of the people listening, can really relate when I say like, it's hard to be human and this body, whether it's riddled with, um, pain or just feeling anxious, insecure, just not being comfortable being human. And so we escape to spirit sometimes because it does feel so light and so beautiful. And like, I belong, but at the end of the day, I got to come back to this frigging body and I have to figure out this journey, give myself permission to be here in a body, um, because it can be really tough. So it's interesting to not only see it as things you've experienced when you were young, trauma, energy dealt like manifested inside as dis-ease, but also 
like entities that just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, being an empath, being sensitive, which is the majority of the listeners myself as well, how much we picked up on, and then maybe even allowed that darker energy in, not just from our experience, but like entities and energy around us. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and, and I, I hesitate to say darker because it's just not a match. It, energy is energy. Mm-hmm. I just think it's pain that it's not well, light. Well, right. Right. Say for example, in, in your situation, much like my mom, because of all that guilt and shame energy, right? The energy and the, the stuckness, the heaviness of guilt and shame. Well, where do we hold our emotional energy in our navel second chakra and where does that connect to? Well, the colon, the bowels, the intestinal system. Hmm, getting cancer, colon cancer isn't mm-hmm. such a far stretch to put those pieces together if you understand the energy anatomy. Mm-hmm. So anything we're holding on to and not releasing is causing blockages, mm-hmm. is causing there to be a malfunction in the entire energy system. So much like your circulatory system, how, you know, if there's a a block, you're in trouble, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can, you could die from that Mm -hmm. and it can impact other areas and arteries and all those things. So I think people really, if they understood like our energy anatomy, how important it is to keep it flowing and to keep it, the health and integrity of it. And also to keep our own, it's like, again, like having our own blood type in our body if we're, if we're getting something else, that's not an energetic match. And it doesn't matter if it's an entity or people's emotional energy or whatever, it's just not an energetic match for us. And it causes mm. this like disturbance, right. Mm. In our, in our bodies, because our spiritual energy, our life force energy, um, is our unique to us. So mm-hmm. someone else is coming in kind of like dilutes and mixes and can make a really crappy, shitty stew. <laughs> that mm-hmm. doesn't taste good. Yeah. Even with the trauma aspect or the, mm-hmm. you know, picking up on your parents' energy, oh, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. Just even in this lifetime, like picking up on say my mom's feelings of unworthiness mm-hmm. and that doesn't mix with my unique expression of self and truth so it's so it, just the way that my own limiting beliefs in quotes don't mix with my ultimate truth like I know right like I see resistance it's like your belief directly contradicts the truth of your soul that's resistance so it's almost like other people's junk <laughs> or energy yeah. fields I don't want to say junk and make it seem like a, such a bad thing but it Stop. doesn't match yeah. the truth of who you are. Exactly. And that can become, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. <laughs> so yeah. cool. And, and when we understand that, I think we get a little bit more than protective of our space or more like honoring of like, oh, I don't want like a gunky, oily, murky substance in my fine running machine here. Mm. Like I want it running like a Ferrari engine. Like I want it going and and operating really nicely and smoothly. So I, I just want people to have that awareness as we're talking about here of like, it's not like your own stuff is your own stuff. But then you think about ever, the the collective universe and, and our earth stuff that mm-hmm. we may be dealing with as well. And I, I believe everybody's empathic in some way. We all feel energy and feel things like mm-hmm. unless you there's something really wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> you do feel, you sense energetically we're liquid we're frozen you know we're frozen matter so you have to be able to like sense like oh wow is that mine like that's Mm -hmm. always a good thing that I teach people in the beginning just go if you're feeling an emotion just 
question it. So is this mine? Because maybe mm-hmm. if it's not yours, you can be like, okay, I release that or I gift it back. Mm-hmm. And um, you can get rid of that. You can do some um, energy hygiene. But yeah, I, I really look for the where, what is your spirit showing me to look for first in your healing journey? And we, we may be surprised by what your spirit shows me. Maybe your spirit would show me, oh, we need to look at this past life um, because that's really where it started. And it just kind of like culminated since then in your timeline. And I kind of see like a, a timeline, like, you know, before here and then like after, you know, to the left and the right. And I always look for the like blips or signs mm-hmm. or symbols or vignettes of like, what's, what is your spirit showing me? It's always guided by what your spirit's showing me. Cause I don't want to interfere in like where we need to look at first or go mm-hmm. to first. Um, my judgment is, you know, irrelevant to your healing journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because if we can get to the source first, it makes kind of the whole other part of the process a bit easier. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do like all this Reiki, for example, and they're not getting to the source because Reiki is about like physical pain, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the spiritual pain? And um, um, yeah, so that's why too, like I I feel like on my journey, I didn't quite fight, find the right modality that I could be a part of and be invested in until I came to intuition medicine because it made so much more like the bigger picture of it all. Whereas mm-hmm. like things like, and no offense to Reiki professionals, but mm-hmm. I had a bad experience learning it myself and practicing it on my mom that I was like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't feel like I was taught proper energy hygiene and grounding and, and certain things that are super important when you're working with other people's energy. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing is like, other healers that I talk to, they're like, wow, I wasn't taught about that. And I'm like, I know that's why like this stuff needs to be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, you touched on like understanding what's yours and what's not is yeah. like so foundational. And <clears throat> I w- almost went to say basic, but it's not because it's not taught. It's not like simple, yeah. meaning it's taught to everybody, it, but it's so foundational to your channel, your ability to hold space for people, whether you're a healer or just a seeker on the path, like we are absorbing yeah. so much and it's so important. Um, I would love to see, you know, how Louise Hay, um, writes, you know, you can heal your life. And she talks a lot about the different ailments and their spiritual or energetic component, which I intuitively, I just feel like it's very right. I, I really like that work, but I'm curious in, do you see sort of patterns in people where there's like, I worked at a naturopathic clinic for over 11 years and just being an intuitive, we dealt a lot with cancer. And mm-hmm. toward the end of the time, I just, I could just see things in people where I mm-hmm. could almost see the different personality types that ended up having these different diseases. And I want to be very clear. I say this with so much sensitivity and I'm never the person saying you caused that. So yeah. this is not an attack. It's not to yeah. cut anybody down. It's to understand 
understand why, like I'm in chronic pain. I don't walk around going, I caused this. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I more just want to seek that bigger opportunity to heal. So I, that's, I just want to say that as a disclaimer, but I could see the women who were really like sort of small in their energy and boundaries and maybe like wounding felt like just very small. And they Mm -hmm. would get these more reproductive type cancers, or I would just see these different patterns that I could spot it. So do you see that in, you know, correlation with the people you see where you see almost these patterns of maybe personality traits, or I know they talk about like doshas in Ayurvedic medicine. It's like your energy and then that correlating sort of dis-ease. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, it, and I think that the the way I see it, and I appreciate that, and I totally, like, I, I remember having a conversation with someone where I wanted to talk about her ailment and just as friends. And she's like, look, I'm tired of being told it's my fault for this. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear that. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't going to say, you know, like, that's mm-hmm. definitely not how how I would approach it. It's more like, it's not you're like, if you're timid or whatever, it's just the energy. It's the energy of, of whatever you're experiencing, having, um, letting in that's creating an, uh, imbalance and a malillumination of your energy. It's either Mm -hmm. taking or distorting it. So when you are feeling maybe unworthy, right? Think about the emotional energy and what that could be creating in your body, right? If you're feeling like, oh, I'm just not good enough. And we're, you know, the molecules of emotion are are real things. And there's been neurophysicists that studied this, you know, and it's just the, if you're not feeling, if you're taking on emotional energy or producing emotional energy that is creating some kind of imbalance block, stagnant experience it's going to create a problem a health problem at some point mm-hmm. or it could create you know it starts as an energetic problem so like right away there's already an energetic experience but we're not looking for that or notice it maybe sometimes maybe we just feel the oh, that doesn't feel good oh, mm-hmm. i feel sad oh i'm depressed i woke up depressed today and you think it'll just pass or mm-hmm. whatever right but mm. what's what's behind that? What did can can I reflect on what I'm what's what am I experiencing in my life? Who am who am I in a relationship with? It's like a whole picture thing. So it's you know I think if just the awareness part of changing people's outlook on their like health of like getting more aware of what's going on mm-hmm. could be transformational for people. So I I don't. I've seen people who are the opposite though, Talia, like that are not the wording that, that are like the, I'm the overachiever type A personality to have cancers too. Like, you know, yeah. because maybe they're stuffing in emotional energy, they're compartmentalizing things. So they're not letting energy do its natural thing that it, it does, you know, mm-hmm. move yeah. through the body. That's yeah, that is absolutely fascinating. So I, my mind goes also to epigenetics and the proof that what we believe gives messages to ourselves. So pivoting into like, what do we do with this? How do we heal this? Of course, seeing someone like yourself. Um, but is it, 
is there a combination of changing the mindset, changing the thoughts, the message you're giving the cell, but what about the past life stuff? If I just kind of go with new messages to the cell, is that enough to cleanse what has happened in my past life? In in some cases, I know everyone's not going to be the same. There's no one rule, but I'd love to hear sort of where that intersects like epigenetics and then past life stuff. So I love that you're bringing this up and we can have a whole other show on this. But um, in my membership community, we just were spending this whole month on the epigenetics. So I I created a, a methodology that I took with my training and, and what they call the physio-psychic system and um, created a my own methodology called the spiritual neurohealing. So um, it is about getting into the rewiring. So the thoughts, right? Because thoughts then create an emotional experience because of the neuropeptides and everything that's like the thought triggers in our body. And then that has a physiological experience. So if I think something like, oh, I'm so pissed and angry, that, that, that thought then activates everything in my hormones in my physiology, and maybe I feel like tightness in my chest, right? So I'm having a physical experience of a thought or, a, a you know, the thought becomes then the feeling. So we work on, so in your brain, you know, you have your left and right hemisphere and that's where like all the like wiring is, right? So say you're having a bad or depressive or not a healthy thought you can cauterize or zap this thought repeatedly. It may not always happen, but you want to get to it within the first 90 seconds of having it because mm-hmm. after, if you wait, it just floods the bot. Like you're going to have the emotional, physical experience of the thought. So if this is just done with visualization, it's, you know, it's what sh- shamans use and in, in their healing practice as well. But We're activating, we're zapping and cauterizing the thought and the circuitry and rewiring or creating new healthy circuitry using a metallic frequency like gold or copper or rose gold or a blend of the, of the three. Do not use silver or platinum people, please. Those are not um, good for this. And I don't want to go into the whole story of that. So if you're having, say, the like negative or unhealthy thought, imagine that you are like, oh, where is that? Like, where is that my Christmas light circuitry in my memory banks here? And you try to map it out and then just run this metallic. Imagine you're just like pouring metallic or laser beaming metallic or whatever. You want to just cauterize and close off the friction, the trigger. Mm. Um, because you know, eventually you can rid yourself of it. And I've done this with my own, some of my own thing, my own triggers, but in the back of the head in the cerebellum area is where like, we call it the genetic tapes. And it's like, we're all the hard drive storage. So this is all short-term memory in the left and right hemisphere. And then the genetic tapes in the back is like the hard disk drive of your computer. Mm. And that has like the, the hereditary stuff. So say that I inherited this from my mom either an, you know, an illness type of thing, like high blood pressure or a, I'm not worthy. There's the cellular stuff. There's our karmic or like, um, you know, universal consciousness stuff. So there's a lot of like things that are stored here that we can also work on zapping and rewiring. 
So there's like 97, 90 seconds of dapping, then a minute of your big, beautiful, original essence, soul essence energy, filling yourself up, and then a minute of kundalini energy to reboot the system. Mm. So that's kind of like this practice that I've learned and, and help my students do on themselves mm. because it gets rid of habits patterns self-limiting beliefs all those things but it does mean you have to be consistent and aware of when you're having them Mm -hmm. wow that's really powerful and I love that you're it's like the cauterizing and then also the bringing in of the essence because that's something I notice in even just my work slightly different language but there's the clearing and there's the releasing but there's the activation of those higher frequencies and higher levels that we also are continuously pouring back into it's almost like I picture it like a a cup of mud and you pour in water 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 you're pretty soon clearing it out but Mm -hmm. you need the clearing plus the replacing of those higher frequencies and I love that that intuitively just feels like Mm, so yeah because your source energy is a healing energy so if you bring that in and you're always full of it you would Mm. not have all the things going on that we you know we deal with as humans but it's hard to maintain that really full full of our own essence like things happen right we're challenged Mm -hmm. all the time so it's when we like deplete that or we're not like allowing that to be in this full experience and we let other stuff to come in and and muddy that up is when we have this disease or emotional stuff or whatever. So if that would be my big like tip for anybody, it'd be like, be grounded and always be full of your own healing energy. Cause that's, mm-hmm. what's going to keep you going and keep you healthy, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love the 92nd thing too. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham, but um, they talk about like the 17 second rule of momentum. And basically, if you think a thought for 17 seconds, another thought like that will join it. And then another thought like that will join it. And every time we duplicate, the thought gets stronger and stronger. And then as you said, then it starts to fill up the body, starts to bring on board like big emotion. So if we can kind of nip it, whether it's 17 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever, like nip it before we get on the wave. And my clients with anxiety, I don't specialize in anxiety, but we talk about that. It's a wave. So it's like kind of trying to get out from underneath it before the momentum hits you. And then it just takes you over. And even Abraham will say like, at that point, just let it be relax, go have a nap, reset your vibration. Tomorrow's a new day because it doesn't mean we can't of course, but once we're overridden with it, it's much harder to get back to that place of neutrality or bringing back in source or whatever yeah and jill um if if you guys ever want like proof of the 90 second the reason why it's 90 second there's many reasons but it's verified uh by a a brain scientist her name's jill bolte taylor she did an amazing ted talk it has like 28 million views Mm -hmm. um and it's called my stroke of insight she wrote a book Mm -hmm. and she had to basically rewire her her brain she when she was she was having a stroke And she was aware of everything that was happening while she was having a stroke. And luckily she was able to call for help and get, you know, someone to come, but she had to learn how to talk again, walk again, all the things. But what she shares in her Ted talk was how she would have, like, when she was learning how to do everything again, and her mom was taking care of her, she was, she would have a bad thought. She didn't like it. So she would work on like releasing that thought, replacing it with better thoughts, and she said that there was a this 90 second time limit 
between when that you have the thought and then it floods your body with the um, neuropeptides of the emotional experience by the trigger. So there is science about this 90 seconds. And I highly encourage anybody, uh, if you don't aren't sure, or you don't think there's science to zapping and epigenetics, watch her, watch her TED talk. It's on YouTube. You can stream it anytime. And it this is what we're, I mean, many other doctors and physicists talk about this stuff, like Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce Lipton, you know, Greg Braden, they all are about like your thoughts become things, right? Whatever that thing is. So yeah, this is super important that, that we really like absorb and understand. It's hard. It's challenging though. It can be challenging because we have a lot of thoughts. During the day. <laughs> oh, you're muted. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. There you we, go. Uh, we also have that pattern of responding to our thoughts the same. Yeah. We, we keep responding to them in the same way. Yeah, we do. We do. And, and that's where you're like caught in this loop. And that's why like when I do work on people's, um, you know, brain, you know, psychic surgery, I'm like, Oh, I see this. Like, and it usually shows up as this like weird, like kind of darkened area. And there's like these firing things like Christmas lights and then I can map out, oh, when you have that thought, where do you feel that like happen in your body? And then people be like, oh, my gut or my heart or, you know, wherever they feel it. And your, your pup's so cute. And it's like, well, that's the like the whole blueprint of like, that's where the thought, you know, is connected to. So if you can clear that, zap that, heal that, it could eradicate it can heal i'm not a medical doctor so i'm not going to say certain things but you can you have a good chance of healing what that's affecting in your physiology you're muted again <laughs> you're avoiding the c word <laughs> here um yes. yes i i hear you in that and i was just thinking in respect to all this illness stuff and talking about pain and all of that really being aware of how you respond to the pain that's been a huge yeah. thing in the last couple of years as i realized every time i had pain very naturally it would be like oh this sucks and why do i always yeah. feel this and what if it's going to get worse and i love to hike and what if one day i can't hike and it's like my brain just goes off in response to this pain and now it's not that I'm happy sunshine when I'm having an extra pain day, but I register it different. And I focus back on like the nervous system and calming myself down. And I'll put my hand on where the pain is. And it's like, I see you, I hear you. I see you're giving me a message. I am getting better at interpreting the messages, but it's almost like the whole experience. It doesn't make it yeah. fun, but I'm not yeah. suffering actively through it. I'm using it to help me grow versus like, fuck, why me basically was right. the energy right. before. So yeah. even just watching as everything that's beautiful that you're saying about the thoughts, applying that to when you're in pain, if there are people here struggling with that, because those 90 seconds of like, oh, another pain day, that's going to, as you said, flood the emotion and flood the body with those emotions that I'm sure keeps the cycle going. If I'm understanding it, correctly, it totally right? feeds it. It just feeds mm -hmm. it. And it, it's like strengthening that circuitry. Mm -hmm. So it's like this hardwired circuitry that you can actually cauterize. You can zap and create new, you know, circuitry that's much healthier for you. 
Um, and I, and I wanted like one point with interesting point about that. So my sister has Lyme disease and, um, you know, before that, before it was diagnosed as Lyme, it was fibromyalgia, but she's, um, in a different, you know, belief than I have, you know, I'm not sure energy medicine is her thing and that's fine. Um, but when she was a, you know, a younger mom, she would talk a lot uh, and tell her kids, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Like using, and she was aware of that. She would, she was, we were having a conversation about this, how she was always using that phrasing mm. and, and having the thoughts too, when she was having the pain, like, like you were talking about too. So really stuck in like, you're killing me. Oh, this pain is, is killing me. And mm. I don't know, fast forward a few years, look what, you know, what, look what transpired in her body. And, you know, I, I would love to, you know, I definitely learn lessons about my mom's healing journey. So I don't push anything, but I would love to like work with my sister on this. Cause I do feel like Lyme disease is in that mystery illness thing of like, there are ways you can, you know, work on it and, and heal that. And you can do whatever, whatever you want. But um, be aware of like what we tell ourselves and what we say in our thoughts. And, it, and it's remember, too, that our brain is just constantly processing. It's not good at filtering. So just because mm -hmm. you have a thought doesn't mean it's true or it applies. <laughs> or you say, this is killing me. I'm going to die. And yeah. you you say that thinking, you know what you mean, like your kids are being yeah. a lot. And so you're killing me. Yeah. But your brain doesn't register exactly. doesn't have that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Doesn't filter that brain doesn't filter. So be be aware of your those thoughts you're having and catch yourself, you know, cause we all do it. We're like, Oh, I hate that. Or, you know, we use a lot of words that are or like, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never right. going to make it through. Right. I, I remember coming out of the, an eating disorder and then helping people with intuitive eating. I was like, stop saying that, Oh, yeah. this is going to go straight to my thighs or, Oh, yeah. I just, I used to say, I just look at a cake and gain weight. It's like, guess what? I couldn't yeah. lose weight for anything. Whereas my friend who's naturally like, wasn't focused on weight is like eating cake being like, I don't find that it makes a difference for yeah. me. It's like, well, what? And then we blame the metabolism and genetics and everything else. It's like, but you're saying, oh, I'm being so bad right now as I eat this ice cream. Right. Oh, I know this is going to go to my thighs, but I don't care. I'm just going right. to be bad today. It's like, Ew. <laughs> I know, I, know. I, I, I've, I've, I, I were, I still work on those things myself mm -hmm. with the eating yeah. thing, because that's definitely an area of, of, I'm making, trying to make, pro or I am making progress in. See, mm -hmm. be careful. Be careful of words like can't and try. <laughs> I, I did a great personal development journey earlier, a long time ago, and we were fined for using can't, but, and try. Mm -hmm. And we, the money went to our big celebration graduation thing at the end, but it was very insightful when mm -hmm. you are forced to observe your verbiage what you're saying and and how you say it and it's so interesting to hear people and have no awareness of it like they're just like blah the can't word the try we're like just flying mm -hmm. out like 10 times during your conversation you're like wow that was like 50 dollars mm -hmm. you know, are you ready to pay that 
Yeah. It's like the swear jar, but it's like the limiting verbiage jar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's so fast. I just yesterday, my coach, I was talking about something. She's like, notice how many times you say try, which is so funny that you said that. I was like, oh, fine. You turn this around on me, (laughs) but it's really helpful. It's so helpful. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I appreciate it so much. Everything that you've shared. Is there anything left that you want to say on everything (laughs) that we've touched on? If there's anything that that the people that really are hearing this going like, Oh my goodness, like I deal with these things and it's beautiful to know it's not my sentence to deal with this forever or that there are things I can do. Is there anything else that you want to say to those people? Yeah. And I think, well, you just said, it. I, I believe, I want everyone to believe that like, no matter what you're dealing with, there are ways that you can work with it you can approach it, heal it, even um, that I want you to feel empowered that there is maybe things that you don't know that you don't know. And what's great about that is it gives you the openness of possibilities. So let's all um, practice being open to possibilities in whatever journey you're on. And when you stay open like that, I promise you things and opportunities come into your life that are here to support you because you are supported in this universe. You just have to create that openness for it. Whether it's the healer that shows up or the friend that gives you the book or the thing you watch and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, like that's, those are those miracles that we call in life that are meant to support you where you are. So just being open to the possibilities. Yeah. Especially when people have maybe only seen medical doctors and this isn't anything against, you know, it's not all or nothing. It's everything needs to be integrated together, but people leave with no hope. Like there's nothing we can do. There is nothing. This is incurable. And how many people hear that or your tests look fine. So I think it's either all in your head or you just need to lose a little bit of weight and then it'll all go away or whatever people are told. I hear these things from clients over and over where it's like, there's no possibility. So if you've experienced that, it's like listening to what Nicole says, and you know, there, there, there's more. And in the heal documentary, they said, I I think it was Joe Dispenza that said, you know, take the diagnosis, but don't buy into the prognosis, which I thought was so beautiful. The diagnosis can be helpful. It can show us where these energetic frequencies are mismatching or blocking or causing, you know, whatever it is, but the prognosis is the part that it's like, there's so many unlimited possibilities. Don't, you don't have to believe that that's your sentence, you know? Yeah. And and just to add on that, I know we're ending, but um, that reminds me of a book um, where I think it was called The Power of Prayer, where people were given misdiagnoses. They were told, oh, you only have six months to live because of this. And guess what? Six months later, they died, but they did not have that. So the power of our thoughts are very very powerful. So um, that's, that is totally in line, like take the information, but either go get other opinions or work with other integrative, you know, practitioners to look at what's possible for you. Um, Don't always take it as like the end all be all for sure. Mm -hmm. It's like the placebo effect, but Mm -hmm. not just a pill. It's everything. If someone says like you have three months to live now, our brains like crap three months and they almost, we almost take it. Like that's it. It's like, God told you that, you know, and and now it's like, what am I going to do with stories? Yeah. 
yeah. And then everything's surrounded around three months, three months, three months. Yeah. And then your cells are like, oh crap, we're dying in three months. Like, it's like you, you know, not to say you created again, yeah. like it's your fault, but that ripple effect. Oh, that's so. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the book was called, uh, be careful what you pray for. Sorry. I, I miss, mm. I miss said it, but it was a doctor who actually wrote this book because he had seen people with mixed diagnoses or things like, and what happened to them because of it. And also people praying for other people for things. And it was a great book. It's very interesting as part of my uh, recommended curriculum in my mm -hmm. training. So just educate yourself, start reading, exploring. Cause I think that's the big thing too, that helped me is like, there's more to know that I don't like always wake up going, I don't know anything. And, and be surprised then what you learn. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I always say that with clients. Like, I'm never going to claim to be like, I know it all. Yeah. I just say what comes through, what resonates. Yeah. You have to take what works for you. I love that. Yeah. I think they say the wiser you get, the more you realize you know nothing. Something yep. about that. <laughs> yep, totally. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, Thank Nicole. You. So where can people reach you? What, what do you offer? How can they work with you yeah. or find you? Where's the best place to connect? Yeah, please. Uh, I'd love to um, connect with people. So I'm on Instagram at Divine Flow Healing, Facebook. I'm Nicole De Cristofaro or Divine Flow Energy Healing. Um, if you get me in one of those two places, my website is also divineflowhealing.com. And yeah, I'm happy to like, I offer free consultations. So, you know, I'm definitely the person that'll be like, I can either help you or I can not help you. Uh, depending on your situation. And I also have some great resources for you. So um, and let's connect. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you so Tanya. much. I'll put all thank of your you. links below. You guys can just check out Nicole in the show notes. We'll put everything there. Thanks again, my love for this so conversation great. and for what you do, giving people this opportunity for healing and higher awareness. And it's huge. It's huge. And we need you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And Hey, I'm just one or two steps ahead of, you know, some people. So I'm happy to be on the journey with everyone and I'm, I'm honored. Thank you, Talia. And I love what you're doing and I'm excited to um, connect with you again in the future. So yeah, thank, yay. You. thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on the Awakening Her podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and my guest. And if you did, we would love to hear from you. Come find us on Instagram. All the links are below in the show notes. Take a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, sharing your takeaways or your enthusiasm for the show. Tag us both over on Instagram. And if you do that, I will send you a free gift. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will see you in the next episode. Oh,